0: I'm Aaron Henkin. This is the Maryland Curiosity Bureau.
1: Hi, Aaron. My name is Kristen Bowden, and I live in Baltimore, Maryland. And I was wondering, what's the story behind the Baltimore benches that say the greatest city in America?
0: Kristen, I am fairly certain you are not alone in uh, your bewilderment about these benches or the uh, mysterious, perhaps over-the-top feel-good sentiment uh, emblazoned on them. These benches. Uh, As you say, they're all over town, and I think I'm going to start answering your question by visiting some of these benches and talking to some fellow Baltimoreans, and we'll see what we can figure out from there. Sound good? Sounds great. So we're standing here at the uh, corner of Caroline Street and Eastern Avenue down near Fells Point, and here is one of these benches that says, Baltimore, the greatest city in America. Let me have you introduce yourself. Tell me your first name. Uh, Trayvon. Trayvon, have you seen these benches around town?
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Do you know anything about this slogan, why it says this? Uh, no, I do know that I don't agree with what's on it. What do you think is in the way keeping uh, Baltimore from uh, being the greatest city in America? Uh, for one, these vacant houses and the homeless. Let me have you introduce yourself. Tell me your first name. Hi, My name is Tavon. How old are you, Tavon? 14. Do you have any idea where that slogan came from, Baltimore, the greatest city in America? No, I don't. What do you think about that slogan?
1: Well, I think it's a valid point because, you know, this is actually a really good city to you know, be in and grow up in.
0: Tell me your uh, first name and uh, how long you've lived in Baltimore.
2: Nicole, and I lived in Baltimore all my life. Baltimore used to be the greatest city in America. I don't know about now. I can't, I can't speak for them, but I definitely can speak for them.
0: When was that and what made it great?
2: When kids can actually go outside and play without somebody getting shot or somebody fighting, they cannot do that no more to save their
3: life. My name is Avery. I'm 12.
0: Do you have any idea where that slogan came from, Baltimore, the greatest city in America? Nope. What do you think of that slogan?
3: It's not, we not the greatest, but we, we, one, of the, we one of the best cities. Um, my, name, my name is Taryn. I'm 11. I've been in Baltimore for um, 11 years.
0: Do you have any idea where that slogan came from? No. What do you think about that slogan?
3: Um, I think it's um, really bad. It it leaves me removed, like, really, because it's not true.
0: What do you think is keeping Baltimore from being the greatest city in America?
3: Gun violence and bad behavior.
0: So there you have it, mixed opinions about the sentiment expressed on these benches and uh, a general cluelessness about where the slogan came from, but definitely a shared curiosity about the answer to this mysterious question.
2: Who was the goofball that painted greatest city in America on those park benches? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it was I. I was that goofball.
0: Here it is, the answer to our question, that goofball was the 47th mayor of Baltimore, Martin O'Malley. He was mayor from 1999 through 2006 before he moved on to serve as governor of Maryland for the next eight years.
2: Call me a fool if you like. (laughs) Uh, A fool that saw that Baltimore actually was once the greatest city in America. A fool that saw that Baltimore could be again the greatest city in america and so for those that shake their head and look at it you know riddle me this wise men and women uh, what if we actually did reduce violent crime again and did make ourselves the greatest city in america
4: He still talks like a politician, doesn't he?
0: He does, indeed. Uh, And I should say, uh, listeners, the voice you're hearing right now belongs to Baltimore Banner reporter Clara Longo de Fritas. Clara and I have been working together on this story. We got O'Malley to join us for an interview over some breakfast at Belvedere Square, and uh, he took us down memory lane, yeah?
4: Yeah, I think he probably was amused by the question, but he really took his time and talked us through where this slogan came from. He said back in the years running up to 1999, Baltimore had been racking up record numbers of violent crime victims. He said people were frustrated and they were moving out of the city in droves.
2: Worst of all, there was kind of a sense taking over the city of last person out, turn off the lights.
0: So it was against this kind of grim backdrop that O'Malley would travel around town and give his campaign stump speech. This was a speech that had a sort of vintage Democratic oratory flair to it
4: he can still recite the speech from memory.
2: And I said, hear me, Baltimore. In our city, there is no such thing as a spare American. We are all in this together. And trust me on this. It is remarkable what happens when we remember once again that we are still the people that Frederick Douglass and Johnny Unitas loved. It is amazing what can happen when we let go of our excuses And embrace the truth and the potential of this place, Baltimore, our place, Baltimore, the greatest city in America.
4: After O'Malley was elected mayor, he appointed a new Department of Public Works director, a guy named George Winfield. And Mr. Winfield put together a plan to repaint the city benches. I guess they did this tradition historically when a new mayor was elected. They would paint the new mayor's name on the benches.
0: Right. They would paint something generic like Mayor Martin O'Malley welcomes you to Baltimore.
4: Yeah, but the new mayor did not like that idea at all. He met with Mr. Winfield and told him he had a different plan.
2: I said, George, how about we put, as I reflected back to the long, hot summer and the snub speech, I said, that's the aspiration. How about we put the greatest city in America? Mr. Winfield, as I recall, quietly said, I think that'd be good. And I said, I think that'd be good too.
0: The eye rolling started pretty much instantaneously. One of O'Malley's top aides, Michael Enright, told him, please don't do that. You're pretty much throwing an alley-oop to whoever feels like coming along and dunking on you during your upcoming term
2: as mayor.
4: So O'Malley considered this constructive criticism and then he promptly ignored it. He turned to Mr. Winfield and said, let's get it done.
2: Right away, Mr. Winfield pulled in all the park benches and they were repainted with the greatest city in America
3: people might have thought that it was it was ridiculous on his face. But Baltimore is a great city. This
0: is Steve Carney. He was the director of policy and communications during the O'Malley administration. He says his boss had this idea that Baltimore was suffering from pathological modesty.
4: And the idea behind the slogan, the greatest city in America, was that it could snap people out of that collective inferiority complex. It might have seemed hokey, but the slogan was meant as a reminder
3: it's a reminder that there can be this sense of optimism and hope and higher expectations in Baltimore.
2: It was not a fanciful thing. We needed to be slapped out of our addiction to our excuses. And the wealthiest people in Baltimore suffered most acutely from that addiction, the addiction of we can't do anything about it because addiction. And so that's what that was that was about. And after that first year in office, we did, in fact, within the first six months, shut down 10 of the notorious open-air drug markets and then moved to another 10 uh, to shut them down as well. We did, in fact, get homicides under 300 for the first time, I think, in 23 years. And we did, in fact, win the Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens. So. So on that day, on the Super Bowl jubilation, there was nobody sneeringly, you know, condescendingly uh, looking down their nose and saying, we're not the greatest city in America. On that day, we were the greatest city in America.
0: Fast forward to today, right? This is what, however, 15 years after your time as mayor of Baltimore, you walk around the city, you still see some of these benches out there that say greatest city in America. The paint has kind of faded on them. The scenes around those benches may be a little faded. I wonder what it feels like for you to walk or drive by one of those benches. Is it a bittersweet feeling? Is it a nostalgic feeling? Do you still have that? Does it, is it a slogan that still resonates with you?
2: Yeah, Of course it is. I mean, it's, it's important that none of us give up and that none of us give in to the cynicism that these last now many years of reversal and violence have have brought to our city.
0: You're tuned to the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. Coming up, before the greatest city in America, there was The City That Reads, and before that, Charm City. We're gonna get into the Wayback Machine and pay a visit to the minds behind those memorable Baltimore slogans in just a moment. These days, Kurt Schmoke is the president of the University of Baltimore, but from 1987 to 1999, he was the mayor of Baltimore.
3: And uh, during uh, that time, we uh, promoted the slogan, Baltimore, the city that reads.
4: We did a Zoom call with Mr. Schmoke, and it was fascinating to hear him talk about the chapter of Baltimore history that led up to his time in office. He graduated high school in 1967, and he says back then the largest private employer in the area was that big steel factory.
0: Right, you're talking about Bethlehem Steel's Sparrows Point plant.
4: Yes. And by the time he ran for mayor 20 years later, the biggest employer was the Johns Hopkins University and health system.
0: So Mayor Schmoke stepped into office very keenly aware at this point in history that you really needed a different level of education if you were going to have a shot at a solid middle class life. And that became his first and primary goal as mayor
3: that idea couldn't go on a bumper sticker so i came up with a, a shorthand uh, for the need to commit to lifelong learning and that was the city that reads
4: in his inaugural speech mr Schmoke told baltimore of all the things that i could accomplish as mayor i would be most proud if one day it could be said of baltimore that this is the city that reads
0: and then he waited for the applause
3: the slogan was embraced by some and mocked by many.
0: (laughs) Unfortunately, while the Schmoke administration was putting its efforts into improving education and literacy, the city got hit with the crack cocaine epidemic.
4: For 10 of the 12 years when he was mayor, the city had a homicide rate of 300 or more.
3: So that led some to, instead of talking about the city that reads, they uh, mocked us as the city that bleeds. But I just felt it was so important to focus on uh continuing education because that not only was going to help people with their jobs but it was going to help us fight crime because uh, as state's attorney i knew I'd, i didn't prosecute that many college graduates for violent crimes so i knew education was part of the solution to some of the uh, a wide range of tough problems Uh, that we had in the city. So I, I suffered through the criticism of The City That Bleeds in order to continue to promote The City That reads.
0: All right. From here, Clara, we're going to jump back in Baltimore history one more time to the mayoral administration that came up with probably the most popular and most longstanding slogan ever to be given to the city.
4: Yep. You still hear it all the time. We're talking about Charm City. And this woman helped to make that slogan happen.
1: My name is Sandy Hillman, and from 1971 to 1983, I had the best job in America.
0: That job that Ms. Hillman is talking about was in the office of Mayor William Donald Schaefer. She headed up his Department of Promotion and Tourism.
1: I loved every minute of it, and in fact, right before the mayor died, I was sitting talking to him, and I said, I never had a bad day at the office, and he said, Sandy, you're delusional.
4: When we talked to Ms. Hillman, she explained to us that when Schaefer came into office, it wasn't long after the 1968 riots. The city was so really smarting from the aftershocks when he became mayor in 1971.
1: He said to me, we need to do something to uplift the spirit of the city. And he always understood that his most important audience, from a psychological perspective in terms of how they saw and related to Baltimore, really were the residents. Schaefer
0: was proposing something that was kind of a newfangled concept for civic administrators in the 1970s. A marketing and branding campaign, not for a product, but for a city.
4: Miss Hillman called together a group of advertising people. They all sat down around a table and they got to work. And at one point, a guy named Bill Evans piped up.
1: And he said, and I actually remember this, Baltimore's got more charm tucked away in quiet little corners than most cities have in the spotlight. And it just, it caught on.
4: And that's how the nickname Charm City was born. It started out as an organized branding campaign to market the city, and it was a total success. It took off organically from there, people embraced it, and it just became part of the Baltimore vernacular.
0: It really is a brilliant slogan, Charm City, you know, catchy, just generic enough. And uh, I think there's something kind of poetic that this slogan came out of the office of a mayor who was like, such an unapologetic carnival barker for Baltimore. In some ways, it feels like Schaefer was a cartoon character of a mayor. But Ms. Hillman says there was a bona fide marketing genius behind that persona.
1: He had a deeper understanding of the power of slogans and phrases and and how they would really galvanize people. And of course, that's at the end of the day what brands are all about. Why do we pay... $4 more for a latte, whatever, at Starbucks, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about brand.
0: Clara, bring us up to the present. Does Baltimore have a slogan now? Uh, I feel like when Stephanie Rawlings-Blake was mayor, the city council tried to float Baltimore home of the Star Spangled Banner. That didn't really go anywhere. I haven't heard anything since then.
4: Yeah, for a while, it really seemed like each mayoral administration would bring in a new slogan. But that's a off for the past couple of administrations. I contacted the office of Mayor Brandon Scott, and they do not currently have a slogan in the works for Baltimore.
0: We actually asked some of the folks we talked to in this story about any advice or words of wisdom they might have for the Scott administration when it comes to developing a city slogan. Uh, Here's what Sandy Hillman had to say.
1: There has to be depth to it, and there has to be authenticity to it. There has to be a vision, and a vision doesn't necessarily have to have a slogan behind it. It has to have action behind it.
4: Martin Amali had this advice for the Scott administration, more like criticism disguised as advice.
2: I don't know, maybe the current administration needs to find something they're passionate about. Because if you just put a slogan up there and you're not really delivering results or working to achieve them, then, you know, what the hell is it?
0: As for Kurt Schmoke, his suggestion for the Scott administration, try crowdsourcing it.
3: Maybe if the mayor would ask Uh, folks to to think about it and uh, agree that by 2025, we're going to come up with a unifying slogan for Baltimore. That might be something that he might consider.
4: As the people. I I like that idea.
3: Yeah, me too.
0: Uh, You know, I actually did just that, Clara, when we were out interviewing folks around town by the benches. Uh, We'll go ahead and wrap up this story with a couple of suggestions our fellow Baltimoreans came up with on the spot. If you could come up with a slogan for Baltimore, Taryn, what would your slogan be?
3: Be better. Be better. Baltimore needs to be better.
0: If you could come up with a slogan of your own for Baltimore, what would it be?
3: Be more careful.
0: If you could come up with a slogan of your own for Baltimore, what what, what would your slogan be for the city?
1: Baltimore is a place for everybody.
0: I like that. There may be a, a place for you in the mayor's office. Tavon, I'm glad to meet you. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Have a a great day. You too. 14-year-old Tavon at the bus stop on Eastern Avenue in Fells Point, Baltimore, a place for everybody. You heard it here first. He has got the patent on that one. If you're listening up there in the mayor's office, Uh, let's go ahead and turn now to our listener who asked this week's question. Kristen you got a half a century of Baltimore history and uh, conversations with a couple of former mayors out of this question. What are you left thinking here at the end of this episode?
1: I feel kind of inspired. You know, I moved here in 2011 and noticed all of the different slogans. And, you know, the greatest city in America was one of my favorites because I did fall in love with Baltimore. And I feel like maybe we don't have a new slogan because that one's perfect.
0: Kristen Bowden, thank you for a wonderful question. It was an absolute delight making this story for you.
1: Oh thank you.
0: That is gonna wrap it up for this episode of the Maryland Curiosity Bureau, an original production of WYPR in partnership with The Baltimore Banner. Big thanks this episode to my colleague, Baltimore Banner neighborhood reporter, Clara Longo de Fritas. Clara wrote a beautiful written companion piece to this podcast. You can find it along with all of her other great reporting at thebaltimorebanner.com. And uh, by the way, if you have a question of your own for the show, there is an easy way to be in touch. Just go to WYPR.org slash curiosity. That's the podcast website. It's got an archive of all of our episodes and uh, a little interactive box where you can put me to work with a question of your own. Hit us up at WYPR.org slash curiosity. And uh, if you like the show, you enjoy what you hear on this podcast, you can always do us a favor and drop a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you listen on. Just a couple of lines. Your words really do go a long way toward helping other listeners, other curious listeners, discover this podcast. So uh, thanks for that. I appreciate you. Okay, for the Maryland Curiosity Bureau, I'm Aaron Henkin. Thanks for listening. Be in touch. And we'll do it again next week. The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is made possible with grant support from the Peel Center for Baltimore History and Architecture. Online at thepeelcenter.org.